Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 48 of Wrestle Life Radio. I'm Matt Sin, I'm here with my cousin Kyle Pauly, and we're here to tell you all about AEW Dynamite. Yes, we are. It's going to be a fun show. It's going to be good. Before we can start, today's October 23rd, 2019, and we have to go over this day in wrestling history. So 25 years ago today, when Kyle and I were just wee lads watching WCW, they presented, a show, yeah, they presented a show called Halloween Havoc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was man invented by Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair in a steel cage career versus career match. <laughs> Mr. T was a special enforcer. Hulk, Hulk Hogan won. Ric Flair was forced to retire, which, of course, did not stick. Reading it, was, it word for word what on What number there. retirement was that? <laughs> uh, I think that was number two. Yeah. I'm not sure. He's had about 19 or 20 of them. He's had as many retirements as he has had championships, probably. <laughs> Oh, they fixed the graphic. Did you see it on Monday Night Raw? It said 16 instead of 17. Yeah. <laughs> I sure did. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So we're going to go run into AEW here. we got a decent amount to go over, and it's very late because we just finished watching AEW. And uh, we both have to go to bed and go to work tomorrow. Tomorrow, So we're going to tell you all about it, and uh, then we'll go to sleep. So the show opened in a very, I- I'll say, unconventional way. And you had the Lucha Brothers and Private Party, all four just kind of standing in the ring. Justin Roberts says it's a tag team tournament match with a 20-minute time limit, and the match started. I thought it was kind of weird, honestly, but it's different, and that's the goal, right? Yeah, I mean, they they started differently last week, too, so I, I mean, I get it. I wish they kind of would have at least done their entrances. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm fine with them kicking off a match, like start the show, but to have everybody out there already and like, yeah, it's, it's a little strange. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little weird, but it, I especially with the Lucha Brothers, because I think they're huge, huge, huge stars. And the WWE has presented wrestling as if you don't get your entrance, you're not a big deal. And I know that's not fair for us to say, but. Most wrestling fans in the United States have only been watching WWE for the past, what, 20 years? Yeah. So I think they're kind of conditioned to say, okay, well, if we're starting with these guys in the ring, then obviously none of them matter, which is obviously not true at all. Um, All four of these guys are very, very talented. Private Party, once again, very much impressed me. But uh, yeah, it was... It it was just a little strange to me. But I'm not going to give many negative points for that. I just thought... It was just a little weird. What did you think of the match? I thought the match was really good. Um, I I will also say, though, about the starting them in the ring. Okay. It's kind of a shame because, I mean, obviously this – A, it's a big match because it's the semifinal to the uh, tag team title tournament, so it's kind of a big deal. Um, And like you said, the Lucha Bros and Private Party, especially after they put Private Party over the big – or the Young Bucks, uh, they – you know, kind of we're setting them up to be, you know, like, you know, Hey, these guys are legit. They're stars. And I mean, they have an awesome entrance, so they could have definitely utilized it here. And I mean, right. both of them really had, have great entrances. So of all the matches to not have an entrance. Um, yeah, it was a little strange, but I thought the match was pretty good. Um, it was a little sloppy to start with uh, a yeah. lot of sequences that were kind of slow put together. Um, I was actually sat down, uh, Stephanie, my girlfriend was watching it with me and, uh, she was watching and she just said like, these are really cool, like scenes and all that, but it seems like it's really rehearsed. And I, I told her, I was like, well, they probably didn't have it rehearsed this. They might've done a couple things. I mean, they for sure talked about the match, but I mean, for her to sit here and say it looked rehearsed, it kind of, you know points out that there's probably something a little bit off here. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I mean, all of them were really neat spots. It was just kind of a little slow, a little plotty and a little sloppy at points. Yeah. They, they ended it though with basically, I mean, th- th- towards the middle of the match and the end of the match, they were just four guys going full throttle the entire time. Right. And it was fine. And I tell you, I, I enjoyed this, 
but I'm glad that AEW doesn't do all of their matches like this because I like this kind of match in its spot. I don't want to watch, I wouldn't watch two hours of wrestling with just high octane, that no real story behind it. Let's just do the coolest moves we can think of. Yeah. And they're fun, but I, I'm glad that they only have about one of these a week. And I thought it was a good opener for the show. Uh, it was. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're flipping through channels and you happen to catch this going on, I mean, it's pretty eye-popping. So, um, yeah, they, they did a lot of huge spots in this match. It was it was almost pretty much like a Lucha Libre match. Um, yeah. Obviously not as, like, totally, uh, you know, choreographed and kind of, you know, Lucha Libre matches are, you know, very unique. So it's it wasn't quite that. But it, it was basically had some of that flavor into it. Um, right. And so, yeah, it was it was good. Phoenix at one point hit a deadly looking stomp on Quinn. I thought he killed him. Or I like, know my you know, my poor, internally my poor wife. She was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I said, "Yeah, it was kind of crazy." And she pointed out how his head snapped back, even though he hit him on the top of the back. Like it was very interesting. Yeah, and, and then he I, was I'm like, he's "Okay." I'm I'm hoping it was just selling <laughs> for the rest of the match, but he like slowed down a bit after that, and I was kind of yeah. worried. I was like, "Ah, I mean, it could just be selling, but." I would not be surprised if he was legit just kind of yeah, wonky. Yeah, pretty that. hard. Um, yeah, that's how you, uh, you know, screw up somebody's back and or neck. So yeah, it was, uh, was not good. But yeah, it, it, it was it was awesome match. They had a lot of cool stuff. Quinn hit a shooting star press towards the end of the match for a near fall. Then Phoenix hit an awesome gory bomb leg drop combo um, on both Quinn. And uh, what's the other guy's name? can't remember. Isaiah Cassidy, I believe. Yeah, Cass- Cassidy. Um, and I always, I, always, I always remember Cassidy's name. I'm like, oh, yeah, they have two Cassidys uh, in right. AEW. <laughs> but uh, they hit the he hit a combo, Gory Bomb, leg drop move, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Private hit Party did hit the gin and juice on Phoenix, but uh, it, which was actually a pretty cool spot. They, they go to pin him, and they're like uh, – or he, um, Quinn was kind of like, you know, not covering him. And Cassidy was like, what are you doing? Cover him. And Quinn's like, he's not the legal man. <laughs> so they kind of, <laughs> they had the match one, but he wasn't legal. And, and the yeah. announcers pointed that out. Um, Which was cool. Yeah. yeah. So Phoenix, um, I mean, uh, Penta was actually the legal man. So they, they both go after him, but um, Penta's able to get out of it. And then he hit the arm breaker on, uh, was it Quinn that he hit the arm breaker on? Yeah. And then they set him up for their finisher for the win. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that pack. I don't know what it's called. It's essentially package, yeah, package pile driver into a stomp combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, and yeah. So it was a really good match. Uh, like you said, it was um, not a whole lot of psychology. A lot of you know some good stuff in it, and like I said, a lot of sequences. Um, so it was good, entertaining, and it was appropriately placed at the beginning of the show. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed it as well. We moved from there into a hype video for this Wardlow guy. Do you, who is this? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea, but he I, looks like yeah. a monster. Yeah, I, I, he's not anybody I recognize, so I'm going to go look up later and see. Um, I mean, we basically... Okay, well, I'll do it right now. I got my phone in my hand. Yeah, I don't know if he's somebody we should know, um, but yeah, I've, I was watching him. I was like, he kind of looks familiar, but... I wasn't sure. Maybe he's a totally new dude that, you know, is somebody. Who is Michael Wardlow, the man promoted on AEW All Out? I don't know. Just looks like he's a guy. He was on All Out? Yeah. That was oh. him. He was a big, tough guy with, you know, he beat up all the thugs outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, they they hyped him up here. They gave the hashtag Wardlow is coming. Um, yeah, he looks... He's very similar to like Rusev. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, big looking dude. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see him make his debut. It'll be nice to have a really big guy in AEW. Yeah, even if he's like, I mean, I don't know how what his experience is, but even if he's kind of green, like having a big goofy green, you know, guy there who just like destroy people. I mean, I'm right. fine with that. Yeah, I am too. So we move into the second match of the tag team tournament, and we get the Dark Order, who had a bye, versus SCU. And it's reported that Christopher Daniels will be out six to eight weeks. Selling. Yeah, I thought was very interesting. I wonder if he'll actually be out six to eight weeks. He, maybe, he, uh, 
I bet he'd show up at ringside or something for the finals in a, in a neck brace or something. He'll probably yeah. be out of action for six to eight weeks. And maybe but, get attacked uh, or something. Yeah, or, or he'll at least just be with SCU at some point. Um, but he's 40, I, 48, I think. So he, he probably doesn't want to wrestle on a weekly basis anymore. Yeah, so plus I think it's a great chance to get Scorpio Sky over. I think he's the star of the team. I mean, that kind of yeah. showed last week. Um, also this week he came out with both shoes, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christopher Daniels is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and I love Kazarian, but Scorpio Sky, man, he has a really, really bright future, and he's so good. Right. He's in his prime, and I, I'm glad that he's getting the rub here. Yeah. I really am. Yeah, I agree. There was a cool spot in this match where – I mean, there's a lot of cool spots in this match, but where the crowd just starts cheering. And you're like, what's going on? And then Chris Jericho – in the inner circle are coming out, and the match has started. Like the match has been going on for six, seven minutes, and Jericho Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz are coming out, and Jake Hager is not with them. They did that did get pointed out. I don't think they ever explained why, but I think it's because he's preparing for his um, Bellator fight. I'm sure that's. I mean, I didn't catch that or hear them say anything about it either. But that's the first thing I thought. I was like, he's probably in camp right now. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he'd probably rip somebody's head off if he had to show up. Exactly. I can't. So they go up top, and like I'm like, why don't they have ringside seats? Can Chris Jericho not afford a ringside seat because the four <laughs> of them have tickets? And uh, they go into a skybox, which was interesting. Now, what I found very interesting is why in the world do they need tickets? They're four active competitors. Can't they just like show up backstage if they want to? Is that not allowed? I, I now first, I, this whole segment was great, and I'm not knocking it, but th- being nitpicky, that was just a little weird to me. Uh, I thought it was fine because uh, it, it was a little strange because I thought the same thing. I was like, well, they are talent. They could just come and sit at ringside or something if they really wanted to. But um, you were saying, uh, you know, why don't they be backstage or something? I mean, if they wanted to cause a scene, you know, Jericho, his character is just a, he wants all the attention on him. You know, he wants all the praise. Right. So him going in the, you know, making a grand entrance and having everybody with him. I mean, Honestly, he could have just gone straight from the top into the skybox, but he decided to walk through the crowd and flash the tickets and, you know, draw all the tension towards him. So I was okay with it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, it It turned out later, you know, when Cody came out, he he's going to try to mess with him anyway. So you yeah. know, maybe it was their plan to go and try and screw with the show just because. Yeah. Um, I guess it's possible. Yeah. Uh, they probably it's didn't possible. need to buy tickets, but. <laughs> but yeah yeah but th- this match was really really good tell us a little bit about it yeah uh i mean i was really impressed with it um dark order was getting a lot of good heat because uh, i mean they they tried to make him into like a i mean they're very enjoyable to watch but they i think when they debuted them fans a lot of a lot of fans probably weren't sure who they were and they got a big push like right away and so I think some fan. I mean, plus their heels, but I think a lot of fans weren't really sure about them. So I think they're perfect as heels right now. Um, they came out with their minions to start the match and uh, they just basically got heat the whole time, taking cheap shots. Um, and, you know, SEU as their opponents are, you know, the perfect baby faces to go against if they want to get good heat. Um, they, uh, Uno was able to throw Sky to the outside at one point. Um and he threw him in the uh, the steel steps. Then they go to the commercial with the picture in picture in the middle of the match, which I still hate. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. Uh, when it's at the end of the match or when they're doing something else, I'm fine with it. But like in the middle of the matches, I'm just like they later in the match during the uh, I believe it was the Kenny Omega match. It might have been the Moxley. I can't remember. They went straight to commercial and didn't have the picture in picture, and I just like it better. Yeah, they did that a couple times. The bare picture-in-picture stuff, and I'm not, I, I want to get to talk about this match. I feel like we've been off it for like five or six minutes after introducing it. But yeah. <laughs> the picture-in-picture the stuff was better this week. I think they had four segments, and two of them were matches, and two of them were other parts of the show that really made sense. So yeah. I, was, I was okay with it. So uh, they basically, Dark Order was working on Scorpio. Uh, he was able to make the hot tag to Kaz. He kind of ran wild. Hit a really cool bridging suplex on Grayson while he like bent over Uno uh, and got a near fall. That was pretty cool. Um, they were able to regain the advantage over Kaz. 
Uh, he was able to, Cavs was able to tag Scorpio, and uh, both of them came in and locked in submissions on Dark Order at the same time. The crowd was really into it. Uh, Grayson powered out of it and broke up the submission with Kaz, <laughs> just pushed him into um, yeah. the sky. Uh, Grayson got up on the top rope at one point and stepped on the referee. <laughs> Uh, and hit a dive, so I was kind of like... Yeah, it was really cool. Basically, what he did was he did what uh, Ricochet did on Raw a month or so ago, where he was uh, stepping on each person, but he did it to... Uh, I think it was... I know it was Evil Uno and Aubrey, and I think he also did it to Kaz. He did it to, to one of the two SCU guys, and then did a move on the other one. It was just really interesting looking, and I liked it. Yeah, so uh, after that, basically, Uno was able to rake the eyes of Scorpio and uh, hit a move for a near fall. And then they went for the fatality, but uh, was it Kaz? Was it Sky that countered or Kaz to make the save? I couldn't remember. I can't remember either. Yeah. Basically they went for the fatality and got countered. I think Sky broke out of it and uh, Kaz came in the ring and uh, SEU was basically able to uh, hit their uh, finishing move, which was much better than the one they hit last week. Yes. Um, and they picked up the win, so they're heading to the finals. Yeah, it was really cool. And the the problem is, like, didn't they give a name? Did was the SCU later? Is that the name of it? Yeah, I think they so. said that, and I was like, is that the name of the move, <laughs> or, yeah. or are they just trying to give a, a clever line? And I couldn't tell. Uh, who knows? Yeah, but it, I have two problems with this, and again, they're both real nitpicky problems. But one is, we knew this was going to be the final because SCU and Lucha Brothers have been arguing for two weeks now, three yeah. weeks, I guess. And my second problem is this exact match happened at Fight for the Fallen. And with all the fresh faces in AEW, I'm surprised we're not getting something else. Yeah. So I, I'm with you there on the, you know, basically before the tournament even started, uh, SCU got attacked by the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a spoiler for the tournament at the very beginning. Right. So. I mean, I think everybody saw this coming. I think it'll be a great match, so that'll be good. But it's going to yeah. be fun. Their fight for the fallen match was absolutely incredible. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it wouldn't be bad if there just wasn't really a reason for the Lucha Brothers to be attacking them to start with. So it was basically a dead giveaway that they were going to be in right. the finals. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a good match. And this match with the Dark Order and SEU was good. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I'm down with it. Uh, moving to Kenny Omega, wrestling Joey Janela. And this is really interesting because before the show, they announced Jack Evans versus Joey Janela. And uh, they just changed it like after five or six minutes. It's like Kenny was like, nah, man, I want a match. So they threw him against Joey Janela, which they just had a match at AEW Dark. They had, uh, really they had announced it earlier today, I remember yeah. seeing. Um, yeah, but like they announced the... They announced Jack Evans and Joey Janela on one of their social medias, deleted right. it, and then put up Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. Right. Like five or six minutes after. So I don't know what happened there. Maybe it was just a mistake. I don't know. But I mean, the good thing is, is they, when they were, you know, talking about uh, uh, Janela and Omega having the match in dark, they actually showed clips of the match. Um Plus, they showed Janela and uh, Moxley as well. Uh, so, I mean, they they showed cl- they've had all these awesome matches on Dark, uh, which is great, but they haven't showed them. I mean, especially since they affect the records of these wrestlers. Yeah, I've been wanting to see like a Dark highlight reel or something, or just right. a quick recap at some point. You know, at the beginning or middle of the show. Um, and they haven't really done that. I mean, if you watch the TV show and that's all you watch. You probably have no idea they even had a show on right. YouTube or anything. And I don't know. I think they're because being the elite has been so popular online. I'm afraid they're going to start banking on people, you know, going and watching that content. Right. You know, and depending on people to watch it and just putting stuff on TV. And that's why I called last week for more. And they did a little bit more this week, but I've been calling for more stuff on the TV show uh, and character building stuff on the TV show as opposed to doing it on YouTube and social media because, I mean, the reality is your biggest platform is the TV show. So you should right. utilize that if you want to get these people over. So at least they showed the awesome match and, you know, gave a rundown of the highlights of it. Um, so I was happy to see that. 
Well, I'll tell you, I'm looking right here on YouTube, and the first episode of AEW Dark got 912,000 views, and the second one got 913. The third only has 480, but it only came out a day ago. And they've been drawing like over a million viewers, so they've almost as many people watching the show are watching Dark. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. But, I mean, that, they're pretty dedicated fans that go and watch it. And right. I mean, but if you if you want people to stay caught up on it, I'm, I'm sure a lot of those were, you know, after the fact. And um, I mean, I, I know there was a lot of news out there that the Janela Omega match was awesome. And I went back and watched it after I'd heard about it. So but I mean, I think they could get even more views and utilize it more if they were able to recap it on TV. Yeah. And Makes sense. yeah, if they would have shown that, I mean, I ended up hearing about it, you know, through different you know wrestling sites. But if they had just shown a clip of it, on the you know second episode of AEW, I mean, I probably would have gone right then and watched it. Yeah, that makes so. sense because right before this match, they did like like a thirty second highlight of Janela and and uh, Omega because they're wrestling now, right? And they're like, yeah, this is an unsanctioned match. It didn't affect their records. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like these spots look insane. Now I have to go watch this match because I haven't been catching up on AEW Dark. So. Yeah, yeah, it was. Hey, you're 100 percent right. You probably would put more eyes on it. And this match it, was it, really good. Yeah, and it, it could have been also used for when Darby Allen was going up against Jericho because he had a right. match on Dark that he won beforehand, and basically his first match after that was uh, against Jericho. But if you didn't watch it, you would know that. You think you know that was his first match on AEW, but right. Yeah. Anyway, we we will move on and actually talk about this match. <laughs> Yeah. So what did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was, you know, it wasn't as good as their first match because they did a lot of crazy stuff in their first match. Um, But I thought it was, you know, for solid match, Kenny Omega's kind of stepped up his game uh, in the last couple matches and he's starting to put on some really good ones. Uh, So just really entertaining. They also, I forgot to mention, they did show him winning the AAA title from Phoenix as well before the match. Omega basically was in control early of the match. And uh, they, they went to commercial. Basically, uh, he came back from the break and um, Omega hit the uh, You Can't Escape. It was a, he went for a follow-up moonsault, but uh, Janela got his knees up. Janela teased the top rope Rana at one point and uh, Omega slipped out of it and dropped his face across the top rope and hit the V-trigger. He got a near fall from that. Uh, he went for another V-trigger and got hit with a German suplex. But Omega rolled through it and uh, they traded high kicks. Janela was able to hit a Fisherman Buster and got a near fall. Omega hit a V-trigger and set him up for a one-week angel, and he got the pinfall. Yeah, and it was cool because basically ever since they came out, it's been showing the inner circle just up there, and you know they're they're mocking people. And after Omega got the pinfall, like Chris Jericho does the golf clap, and yeah, they they were entertaining the whole time, and uh, it, it really added to the show, which was already really good. Yeah, and I, I was a little annoyed at the you know when they first came out during the tag match because they kept going back to and forth to them. Yeah, they didn't do it as much in this match, and it was a lot better. <laughs> so, um, uh, but yeah, the crowd was super into this match. Uh, they got a "This is Awesome" chant. They're, they've pretty much given every, you know at least one match of "This is Awesome" chant on every show, but it was a good match. So I yeah. don't really you know fault them too much, but you know it's it's starting to turn into you know. WWE or it's like they get a good match and everybody just thinks it's amazing. Right. So you should probably dial back that this is awesome chant. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I do. So after that, Cody Rhodes comes out and he had made an announcement before the show started that he was going to cut a promo and have a really big announcement. And he's out there with Tony Schiavone inside the ring. He did make his uh, big Triple H entrance where he's got the center of the stage uh, pulls up and he comes to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I first saw it, I'm like, wait a minute, who is that? And as soon as I started, as soon as I saw the smoke and saw someone coming up, uh, the smoke that the street prophets want, by the way, I, uh, I'm like, oh, it's, it must, must be Cody. And I was correct. But yeah. So as he was trying to make his announcement, the inner circle are like blowing these fog with fog horns. Is that what they're called? The air horns, the air horns, blowing the air horns. And uh, Chris Jericho has a microphone because, you know, people that buy tickets also get microphones. And he was blowing the air horn into the microphone. 
And like they were having so much fun. Cody was trying to ignore them and he was trying to give his announcement, but uh, none of it really mattered because every time he tried to make an announcement, they got interrupted and it was, we got interrupted and it was absolutely great. And so he, Chris Jericho picks up the microphone and he's talking to Cody and he's basically berating him. And Cody says, listen, Chris, this isn't like that other company we used to work for. These ring ropes aren't an invisible barrier and I can come up there which got a huge pop from the crowd. Absolutely gigantic. It's really cool. Uh, following that, we had uh, Chris Jericho saying, well, come on up, Junior. It's four on one. What are you going to do? And so Cody's like outside now, and he looks like he's about to jump the barrier, but he stops. And then you hear Dustin Rhodes' music hit. And he comes out, and Chris Jericho goes, oh, it's okay. It's still four on two. And is your your big brother going to take care of you? Ha, 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 ha. It was, uh, it, was, it was great. Chris Jericho was berating them like only Chris Jericho can. And then MJF's music hit, which got a gigantic pop. I mean, huge. And MJF is so funny because he he's the biggest heel in the world. And then, but when he's with Cody, people absolutely love him. And these are actual, you know, hardcore wrestling fans, so they like heels, and that's fine. But yeah, it's just very interesting. I just don't think this would work in WWE, but it works really well in AEW. Then, Chris Jericho says, all right, all right, it's four on three, but you hear, it's me, it's me, it's D-D-P. And I might have popped out of my chair because... I absolutely love DDP. He was probably my second favorite WCW wrestler behind Sting. Uh, so good. I love DDP as a kid. And so the four of them start making their way up the stairs. And Chris Jericho and the Inner Circle decide to go inside their box and lock the door. Which is hilarious. It was hilarious. It was so good. And so Chris Jericho's mocking Cody and everybody. And so MJF takes his scarf. Oh, there was, I got to point this out. There was a line when, when MJF came out and Chris Jericho says, am I supposed to be afraid with some of someone that wears a scarf? Who wears scarves? And it was so funny because Chris Jericho wore a scarf for years. And it was just, yeah, it was, the, it was like his last gimmick. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Um, so anyway, they're locked behind the door and MJF gives his scarf to Cody who wraps it around his hand and punches the glass door and rips it to another huge pop. They go through the door. They brawl for a bit. Uh, the security finally breaks them apart after, what, 30 seconds? They didn't really get to brawl that long. Yeah, it was very, very short brawl. I did love, though, that Cody breaks the door open, opens it, and he doesn't just dive in and like tackle Jericho, and then it's like a big brawl in the room. He immediately just grabs Jericho and just drags him out of the room. And he's like, you're coming with me. Yeah. And then he beats the crap out of him. Like, it was, I just, it was great. I love that extra touch to it. Yeah. It was really good. And so after they, after, uh, this segment was so good. After they tore him apart, Chris Jericho got like, got his ticket and he looks like, you know, old WCW cruiserweight whiny Chris Jericho. Yeah, he looks like he's about to burst into tears. It's so good. And he's like, but I have a ticket. I have a ticket. And he's holding it. And, you know, he, like, I think it's Santana. One of the, one of the LAX guys comes up and he's like wiping his tears away. And Chris Jericho like takes the ticket and licks it and puts it on his forehead. And obviously his tears are crocodile tears because after the police take them all away, uh, all the good guys away. He starts smirking and he's happy again. Um, this is a segment where they went to picture in picture and it was basically just the inner circle, you know, playing to the crowd. And it was absolutely incredible. This whole segment was 100% great for me. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Um, it, it felt like a, it, it was just a, a, a great segment. I, I mean, I can't really say much more about it. It was uh like, like I said, Cody Rhodes made the point to say like, this is, we're not the other company. I'll come in there and, you know, beat you up. Like, I'm not afraid to come over there. And he wasn't a dumb baby face and just like went up there to take on, you know, four guys by himself. He, you know, got back up out there. He goes up there. Like I said, I, I love that he punched open the door and then dragged out Jericho and Jericho was, you know, the perfect heel here. He just like took a beating and then cried about it. And like you said, he's like, I have a ticket. 
I have a ticket. <laughs> like, it just looks like he's about to just burst into tears at any minute. Then uh, they're all backing away, and MJF is saying, like, what now, midlife crisis, Chris? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was it was good. Um, it was just a really good segment. I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, further the feud more. So I, I really love where this is going. Yeah, I do too. And speaking of the other company, let's talk about that just a little bit. Because it's 100% true. If this was the WWE, Cody Rhodes would have been yelling at Chris Jericho they would have had some banter back and forth for five or six minutes, and then Cody would have said, you know what, I'll give my announcement later, I'll see you at full gear, and then we would have went to commercial. Or, even worse, we would have had something like Rusev, where Bobby Lashley and Lana were up on the ramp, making out, and he just stares at him like he's a lost puppy. That Those kind of segments are so dumb, and we didn't have to deal with this. We got this really fun segment. And even though it was kind of long, the whole thing was fun. So I'm okay with it being long. And, and I, I'm just so glad that AEW is, it really is doing something different. Yeah, um, I agree. Either I agree he would have you know either done one of those horrible things in WWE or he would have taken them all on four-on-one like an idiot and gotten yeah. beaten and the heels would have been standing over him to get heat. Um, so yeah, they did none of those things. It was a lot of fun. It was really cool seeing them again, just kind of brawling in the back and all the fans were out there like surrounding them. They're all yelling and stuff like it just had a really cool feel to it. I really, really loved this segment. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And one of the things that people have been complaining about AEW, including us, is they haven't had enough angles. You know, they've had I was just incredible matches. That. Yeah, they've had incredible matches. They, they haven't had a lot of promos or angles. And this was a big, what? 10, 12 minute angle. It lasted a long time. Yeah. And I actually, at the beginning of the show, um, watching the first match, uh, my girlfriend and I were, you know, going through it. And towards the end, she was like, wow, that's a real long match. And granted, she's not used to, you know, watching wrestling. It wasn't like a terribly long match, but it definitely seemed longer, especially if you're watching, you know, WWE who either has like, you know, a short match or just like a long, boring match. Right. But I, I kind of told her, I was like, well, this is a wrestling show. It's very much a wrestling show. And then I kind of told her, I was like, well, you know, cause she doesn't listen to podcasts, obviously. So uh, I told her, well, that's one of the things I've been complaining about on our show is that I enjoy the wrestling, but they kind of don't do anything to break it up. Like, you know, backstage interviews or other, you know, stuff, story elements and uh, character building that they could be doing. And I thought this was basically what I've been asking for. And I mean, you said it, I think it's, you know, it was, and it was, it was also a good break from the wrestling because this obviously is a wrestling show, but you kind of need breaks from that. You need character development. And I thought right. this is the perfect way to do that. Right. And, and I agree. Let's talk a little bit about getting a break from the wrestling. And I know it seems silly because it's a wrestling show, but just to compare the first two matches and how different they were, I like the SCU Dark Order match. And I, I really have been kind of hating on the Dark Order. But I liked it a lot better than the Lucha Brothers and Private Party match because I felt like it it told a better story. And I feel like if we're going to have, you know, all these matches, even if they're different, you do need something to break them up. You don't need just two hours of constant matches. And this did such a good job. And it made the, the next match feel fresh. The crowd was ready for it. It, it. it did a wonderful job. This whole show was paced so well. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. So we move forward to the Young Bucks versus Best Friends with Orange Cassidy, by the way. Yeah, so I guess he's teaming with Best Friends now. He's kind of He is the third best friend. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> as the match before the match started, all three of the best friends are in the ring. Young Bucks are in the ring, and Orange Cassidy wants to have a super kick party. He interrupts their pose. The, the he big, does. The young, I keep wanting to call him Big Bucks for some reason. I have no big idea bucks. why. Uh, I like bucks. Big Bucks and I cannot lie. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I must like Big Bucks because I keep saying it. Um, yeah, they're were, they were, uh, wanting to do their pose, um, their their fusion-like pose. And Orange Cassidy just steps in and he's, you know, they kind of like look at him like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. And he, he tries to have a super kick party of his own. He Got his, has his hand in his pocket. I did write in my notes, which I kind of laughed at afterwards. 
I said Orange Cassidy's out with best friends. He interrupts the Young Bucks pose and attacks them. And <laughs> attacks is, uh, you know, if you know Orange Cassidy, it wasn't Orange Cassidy. It wasn't an Orange Cassidy attack, but uh, that's a term that could be, you know, pretty loosely used. Yeah, um, he he barely lifted his foot and just pretended to super kick him. And uh, the crowd was like, oh, both times when he did it, like they were all into it. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the Bucks had enough of it and then super kicked him and got booed. <laughs> like sure fans did. were, they were not happy about that. Well, it's like they obviously love the Bucks, but it's like booing Scorpio Sky because he interrupted the hug. Right. That's very true. Yeah. But this match was fun. I really liked it. Um, the best friends did a great job. The young bucks always do a good job. Tell me what you thought. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, the bucks kind of dominated early. Uh, they even went for the hug themselves. So they got a hug and got the camera zoom, uh, which also got some booze because <laughs> they stole, uh, they stole best friends gimmick. Um, but then, uh, the best friends were able to attack them on the outside and kind of take control. Um, they had a, commercial break and then Trent um, was able to make the tag to Chuck Taylor and uh, Chuck Taylor was running wild at one point. Then the best friends, the best friends got their hug in and uh, the ref was distracted and orange Cassidy climbs to the, to the apron and to the top rope. And he makes a dive on the outside with his uh, hands in his pocket, you know, the textbook or Michael Cole would say the vintage orange Cassidy vintage orange, orange Cassidy. Yes. So, I don't think uh, we'll ever see Orange Cassidy in the WWE. No, probably not. Or they'll they'll change his name to like Brett Cassidy or something. <laughs> just totally changes gimmick. Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, Nick Jackson was able to break up a, a near fall after the dive to the outside, and the best friends working on Matt. Um, Matt Jackson was able to they they set him up for a doomsday device, and he was able to reverse it. And then the Bucks had a super kick party. Uh, Nick hit an awesome dive onto uh, Trent and Cassidy, uh, which to which the announcers <laughs> Cassidy was there and got hit, and the announcers like, "Oh, is he riding Trent's back? Like, what was it? <laughs> he?" Kind of, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, and the announcers were right. confu- confused as where he, you know, where he was in the part of this. Uh, so then the Bucks, after that, were able to get in the ring. They hit the bang for your buck and got the pinfall. Yeah. It, the- the ending of this match was just so cool because it was basically a 450 splash into a moonsault. Right. And it was just completely full throttle. And I, I really enjoyed it. The whole thing was great. Uh, yeah, after the match was over, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, what you expect for a bit young box match, uh, right. A lot of, you know, dives, the outside super kick parties. Um, and yeah, it's a really fun match. And orange Cassidy, Similar to how kind of Marco Stunt was able to, when he's with uh, Luchasaurus and um, Jungle Boy, he kind of plays a role in the matches. Orange Cassidy did that here and, you know, definitely played a role, but it wasn't too overdone or, you know, right. any fans really enjoyed it. Yeah. And after the match was over, the Young Bucks grab a mic and accept Santana and Ortiz's match at full gear. It's yeah. going to be good. It's going to be real good. Oh, yeah. So we get a video after this with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and they talk about how she has a big link to, to Pittsburgh, and they've been talking about Brittsburgh all week on Instagram. Um, they they didn't, as far as I know, they didn't announce who she was wrestling on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Um, they just said Britt Baker in action, so I figured she's going to be wrestling a jobber. But I don't think that the, the, the person she wrestled is a jobber. I think it's actually a new signing. Her name was Jamie Hayter. Apparently, she was B Priestley's tag team partner in Japan. Yeah, and the they, they made that connection. That yeah, they made that connection for her. So that was good. It makes and it makes sense why Britt would be going up against her because she right. hates B Priestley. Yeah, and it would surprise me that um, B Priestley wasn't shown on this episode, especially during this match. But that's you know whatever. Um, this match. So, did you know that Britt Baker is a dentist? Uh, I guess. You know, I didn't know that, but they reminded me about 14 times during this match. <laughs> and they do that weekly. Other other shows have complained about that, and people on Twitter and, and social media have complained about it. And 
look, I get it. I understand. But, like, just tell us once, maybe twice. We will need to hear it a bunch of times. It's fine. We get it. You know, they do say it a lot. But I, I got to tell you, to those, to those people who are complaining, it would be 10 times worse in WWE. Yes, it would. <laughs> like, they do say it a lot. And they obviously, like, she comes out the lab coat. It's, like, on her entrance uh, thingy, um, her the nameplate when she comes out. Uh, obviously, her move is the, and all the lock fine. jaw. Yeah. yeah, so I, I'm totally for that. Uh, <clears throat> like you said, the announcers don't have to say it, like, 100 times. And even uh, my girlfriend who was watching, she watched – I don't believe it was this match. I think it was the match last week. She saw a little bit of it. Yeah. And she, even she was like, Oh, she had Dennis. And I was like, Oh yeah. So she got it. <laughs> like it's, it's pretty easy to pick on. So, um, it, yeah, the announcers don't have to say it a hundred times, but it doesn't bother me near as much because I just know, you know, it's not like the demon or the fiend or, you know, the fiend Bray that, Wyatt, the fiend Bray Wyatt, <laughs> the fiend Bray Wyatt. Yeah. So, I'm okay with it. <laughs> if they're still doing it like a month from now, then, you know, we'll probably have a right to complain, but they are trying to get her over. Uh, she is, you know, new to the television audience. This is only her second match. So I'm okay with it. Uh, so yeah, if there's, like I said, if they're still doing it for a month from now, then we can go on a rant about it. I don't think it's fair that just because the WWE does something so bad when AEW does it, it's still bad, but less bad, we give them a buy. I don't think that's fair. I still think this was dumb. And and uh, obviously, I love AEW. And if I had to pick sides, gun to my head, I would pick AEW. But no, it's too much. It's way too much. Tell us once or twice. We're not stupid. We're wrestling fans. Even those that aren't wrestling fans obviously get it, because you just told me Stephanie did. Yes. So I, I, I don't know. It, again, it's a little nitpicky, but it just seems unnecessary. Um, they showed this package of Britt Baker with her connection to Pittsburgh, which I think I already mentioned. She was wearing black and gold ring gear with the like Pittsburgh Steelers, like the, the uh, what is it, yellow, red, and blue that she had. Yeah, that she had the um, on her her I don't know how to say it another polite way. Her butt. She had like the the. You the, can say uh, butt. It's okay. Yeah, I can say butt. I mean, she's a lady. I'm trying to be nice. Uh, she had the ladies have butts too, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> we so, all poop. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Steely McBeam, who he's listed as here in my notes, um, it's the mascot of the Steelers, came out with her. So obviously. I didn't she, even know they had a mascot, honestly, uh, until he came out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Um, Jamie Hayter, when she came out, she was clearly a heel. She was a stereotypical heel. And she tried I, to. Uh, she unsuccessfully tried to steal a fan's sign. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed. I was like, okay, well, I know you're going to lose this match. If you can't beat a fan in a tug of war match over a sign, <laughs> not looking I, good for you. I, she, I just, she didn't, she didn't sell herself for me. Like I hope I was hoping this is going to be a one-off and what followed the match makes me think that it's not going to be, but I, I, I I'm going to give her another chance. Cause I don't think it's fair to say, you don't like someone after one match? You didn't, you didn't think this was a one-off? No, I think that she's going to stay around. Okay. So I I just didn't like the match. You know, Britt Baker, I'm, I'm not super high on Britt Baker, but she looked like a superstar compared to Jamie Hayter. Um, it helped just, that the crowd was just really behind her. She got, I mean, she got a huge yeah. reaction. The hometown crowd was behind her the whole match. Yeah. And uh, even though she got, you know, she, she basically got beat up by Hayter the entire match. Um, yeah. She was able to come back in the end and she locked in the lockjaw for the submission. I mean, as a hometown, you know, hero match, uh, not a great match, but right. I mean, the crowd was into it. The crowd was into Brit. I thought it came across good on TV. That is um, true. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if hater came back, but I mean, I don't think she's going to be like wrestling on full gear or like any big no, show. No, or anytime no, soon. no, 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 no. And no. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a one-off because she, uh, after, basically after the match, what, hap- what happened, uh, she was giving a post-match interview, which uh, I believe was the first on this show, like a backstage post-match. Yeah. And they've been doing this on um, on Dark and on like their YouTube channel. And I wish they would do it more on the, you know, the main show. 
but they you know started to do it here and Brandy came out and attacked Hater. So I thought it was her maybe killing her off. But uh she, she could come back since she's yeah, kind of linked to be Priestley. But um it was a little strange because yeah. Brandy I mean it's it's the issue that I have or that I kind of have with Cody because he is clearly a baby face and then he came out and worked heel his very first match. But ever since then he's been a you know grade A baby face. Uh but Brandy, when she comes out, I mean, she's still a babyface, but she's still doing the heel thing. Yeah, um, so, so she like attacked Jamie Hayter, who's clearly a heel, worked heel the whole night, and turned around and stuck her finger in the interviewer's face and made this like really weird, 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 weird face. Very angry. And then just walked away. Face. I'm yeah. guessing she has something to do with like, you know, maybe she, she I mean, because, you know, she, she likes to have like lackeys and stuff with, you know, like Awesome Kong and all that. Yeah, uh, to kind of do her dirty work first. So maybe she's go wants to go after Brit, but not directly. And maybe Hater was supposed to kind of. That's the only thing I could think of. Well, I was trying to make sense out of it, but yeah, I don't know. It, it was bad though. It, it was not yeah. a good segment at all. Very strange. Uh, but to go back to the to the the match, I just <sighs> Jamie Hater. I don't know. I, I don't want to say anything else too negative. She just didn't sell it for me. I wouldn't be upset if I didn't see her again. Pack versus John Moxley. Let's talk about good stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, with the, so Pack and John Moxley, or Moxley comes out and Pack immediately hits him in the back of the head with a chair. Moxley rolls forward three times, by the way, and then he starts rolling a fourth time very slowly. Um, he sold this like a champion for the first couple minutes of the match. He was groggy. Uh, even after he got some offense in, he was still a little bit groggy. This match was absolutely incredible, but it had a little bit of a weird ending. And I'm interesting. I'm interested to know what your thoughts are because the show just ended. So, like, we haven't really seen anything on Twitter, or Instagram about any opinions. So, tell me what you thought of the match, and then tell me what you thought of the finish. I would imagine. I mean, based on the crowd reaction and just kind of how people are, I would think that's probably going to be mostly negative. That this ended in a draw. I wasn't surprised. And actually when they first announced the match last week, I immediately thought this is going to a draw because John Moxley cannot lose going into full gear. And they really have been wanting to keep Pac, at least his singles record pretty clean. So I don't think it would have done him, you know, you know, I don't think it would have done him any good to come out here and just lose to Moxley. If they're wanting to push him. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to be in a title picture at some point. So I think I just had a feeling that they might do this. So um, basically uh, Moxley was coming out and got hit from behind. Um, Pac basically attacked him from behind with a chair and, you know, choked him with a jacket, you know, fighting, fight, you know, fighting him on the outside before the match started, basically just weakening him before the match. Um, also wasted some more time. So, um, I mean, I guess if you count his entrance, maybe it didn't waste a whole lot more time, but it, you can make it make sense that, that he kind of wasted some time and we just, you know, kind of ran the clock down because they only had the remaining show time on their match. And, um, which I don't know how much time that it was left. Was it like 15 minutes or so? Yeah, it was 14, 15 minutes. Yeah. So basically both of them got the ring. Moxley was already clearly wounded. Pac immediately goes for the black arrow, but um, Moxley was able to roll out and Pac just dove to him on the outside. Uh, Moxley did try to make a come back a couple times, um, but he was still pretty weak. Yeah. So he would, you know, he'd throw in a couple offensive moves and then kind of, you know, take some time to rest because he kind of put all his energy out there and Pac would just cut him back off. So I like that um, dynamic to start the match. They did another picture-in-picture commercial, uh, which I hate again. And we come back. Uh, Moxley was like on his knees and he was like, you know, just goading Pac to kick him. He's like, come on. And Pac would give him, you know, a yes kick basically you know, kick to the chest and Moxley was, you know, say, come on, come on. And then Pac kicked the crap out of him. And he was like, Oh, yeah, in the <laughs> head, like, man. Oh yeah. So, uh, he, you know, he was done after that. So then, um, uh, they basically fought out the apron and Moxley was able to hit a bulldog on Pac on the apron. And Pac did like the RVD standing on his head, DDT like style thing. And it looked awesome. So he basically stands on his head Flips to the outside. They they both got in the ring and exchanged punches. And Mox was able to get the advantage and was just running wild with lariats. 
Uh, Pac was able to retreat, and Moxley hit a dot to the outside. Then Moxley got him in the ring, hit a black hole slam for a near fall, and that's when we got the five-minute uh, remaining. Right. And, uh, I mean, like I said, I kind of thought this uh, would go to a draw, but for sure when they called out five minutes and, you know, they were – you know, not, you know, going fast paced. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to end in a draw. Right. Um, and basically just kind of kept counting down every minute from that point on. Um, Moxley got Pac in a cloverleaf at four minutes. Moxley went up top and Pac was able to stop him. And uh, he had a top rope Falcon arrow, which looks devastating. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Pac, he, his butt hit the mat, which it always makes it seem like way worse because when you're like butt hits the mat and then your opponent hits the mat, it's like, a, you know, a little less give. So Matt Moxley splatted on the mat from the Falcon arrow. And then, uh, Justin Roberts gave us the three minute warning. Uh, but Rosie and Jamal did not come out. <laughs> then Pac goes up for the black arrow again, but Moxley was able to roll out in time. We got the two minute warning. Uh, Moxley got sent to the outside and Pac hit an awesome 450 splash on the outside. They uh, got a close-up of a girl who was mouth agape. She was shocked. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, Pac basically threw him back in, went for the black arrow again. Moxie moved. Um, we got the one-minute warning here. Moxie got up and hit Dirty Deeds. We got a you know, countdown, basically. It's actually the paradigm shift now. Oh, yeah, that's right. I actually... <laughs> I, I meant to write down paradigm shift, but I couldn't remember how to spell paradigm. So I just wrote out dirty deeds. And forgot to change it. It's like paradigm. Yeah. I, I started, I gave it a shot and then it wasn't right. I was like, screw it. I'm not Googling it right now. <laughs> so, uh, basically he, you know, rolled him over. Pac was able to kick out. Uh, and then we got like a 10 second countdown. Moxie tried to just roll him back over and make a pin. But, uh, time ran out. We had the draw. Fans were booing. It wasn't like a WWE, you know, it wasn't hell in the cell booing awful. Like, yeah, it was more, uh, you could tell it got a boo. I, I just think the winner. It, it, I think it's just fans are just conditioned by WWE, uh, like more so American fans. Um, WWE's like, you know, crappy finishes that are like draw finishes. They just do them so poorly a lot. So when fans get a draw, they felt, they feel so let down. Um, I, I mean, I was okay with it. I, I didn't really want to see either guy win or lose here. So I was fine with it. They put on a good match. That, you know, they told a good story. And then they kind of helped it a little bit better because uh, Moxley immediately got up and he was mad. So he just hit the referee with the paradigm shift. And that got the, the fans a little bit back on his side. <laughs> so it helped yeah, a little he, bit. But he said, uh, time limit my butt. Yeah. In a not, in a not so nice way. Right. So uh, I was fine with it. Uh, it didn't bother me as much. Like I said, I kind of saw this coming. And it, I mean, hey, they've, especially with the Darby and Cody Rhodes match, they've made it known that, like, hey, we can have draws. Like, right. you're going to need to expect them. And, you know, maybe the fans will eventually come around and be okay with it. Like, especially yeah. when they get records, the records kind of going and fans don't want to see somebody lose. They'll be okay with the draw. Um, so, yeah, it's, and, and if they promote them as like, I think the problem is, it, so I'm a soccer player, a uh, soccer fan, and it's draws are frowned upon in the NFL because it basically means nothing. Like you get a draw and it's not a win, it's not a loss, it's nothing. Uh, whereas draws in soccer, a lot of fans, you know, if you don't know soccer, you see a 1-1 score and you're like, well, that sucks. It just ended a draw, so who cares? But it's actually it actually means something in soccer, especially when like a underdog team you know, pulls a draw with like a Liverpool team who's like unbeaten or something because you get a point for that. Both teams get a point. Now it might not be a three point, you know, win for the main team who wanted it, but for the underdog, that means a lot. So if they at least sell it, you know, later on, it's like Darby Allen, him drawing with Cody Rhodes went, meant way more than him just getting beat by Cody Rhodes. Correct. So as long as they promote it, you know, as not being a negative, I think fans eventually an AEW can learn to be okay with draws. I think now, like I said, WWE's, you know, they've had such crappy draw finishes or non-finished matches like the Seth Rollins fiend or the like Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, when they, you know, did that crap, like when he speared him out of the cage and they didn't have a winner. Right. 
or, you know, all that, those crappy finishes, like those are just cop-outs. Like if you can do them properly, I think draws are okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. So when I first, I looked at the time when Moxley's music hit, I'm like, oh, there's only 15 minutes left. This is going to be a draw because there's no way these guys are going to lose, you know, or they kind of some kind of screwy finish. There's no way that one of these guys is going to lose this quickly. But then Pac immediately comes out and hits Moxley in the back of the head with a chair. I'm like, okay. And the reason that I was convinced, I, I was, wasn't was convinced that there was no way Pac could win was because we all said it. When Kenny Omega was wrestling Pac, we were like, there's no way Pac wins this. Kenny Omega's got to stay strong for John Moxley. Pac won. So I wasn't convinced that it was going to be you know, an easy Moxley win, like if it was the WWE, it 100% would have been. But it, it didn't really bother me that bad. And, and I'm okay with it. But I do want to say that they can't do it on a regular basis. There's a draw now. We can't have one for a couple months unless it's for something really important and it really makes sense. They can't do like the WWE does and go, oh, we're going to put two guys in there together and we're going to have, you know, we don't really want either one of them to win or lose, so we're just going to do a draw. I don't want them to lean on that. Right. But as long as they do it for specific reasons or use it sparingly, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And, and like I said, if they, if they make it a positive that like, Hey, they, they pulled it, you know, like I said, Darby Allen being the, you know, great example of like, he was able to draw with Cody Rhodes. And yeah, that was him. perfect. That was it a great him, draw. You know, eventually get a title shot because, you know, he was able to draw with somebody who's the number one contender. So if they make it a positive like that, um, and it, this probably was a little bit more of, like you said, the leaning on it. Um, but at the same time, they're they're going into full gear. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't think they want to beat Pac, at least in singles match. That's why they let him lose in the tag match. But I don't think they want him to lose too many singles matches. Um, but it made total sense to have this match because of what happened last week. So I was okay with the draw here. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see like what a lot of the fans think, though. Yeah. If they'll be okay with it. I mean, this is a different audience in WWE. I mean, there are WWE fans that come to watch the show. I mean, me being one of them. Um, but there are just solely AEW fans. So it'll be interesting to see what they think about it. Okay. Yeah. So if you were to grade this show, what would you grade it? Uh, I thought it was a solid show. I had a lot of fun matches still. I had, you know, the great segment with... Cody Rhodes and Jericho. Uh, I thought the tag matches were uh, pretty good. I guess the only, my only issue with the tag team tournament was a, they got rid of the young bucks so early. It, it just felt like it's just kind of felt like a short tournament. I mean, they're already at the finals. It's just kind of blown by. So they've put on good matches, but it just hasn't felt like a big deal for some reason. Um, and these, these two matches are really fun tonight, but uh, I don't know. And, and like I said, it, maybe it didn't feel as fun because they kind of spoiled who <laughs> was going to be in the finals. Right. But uh, SEU and Lucha Brothers are already kind of feuding beforehand. And they're having the finals next week, right? Correct. So, yeah. So the tournament's kind of been a little lackluster. Um, not match-wise, but just, you know, in a perception-wise. I, I don't know. Like, it just, it's it, they've had good matches, but it just hasn't had that special feel for me. Right. So they were great matches on the show or good matches, but they weren't like, you know, blow away. And like I said, the young bucks not being in there might've hurt it a little bit. The jungle boy and Luchasaurus not really being involved. That might have something to do with it. Um, but the Janela Omega match I enjoyed. Um, the young bucks best friend match was a fun tag match. Britt Baker got over fine. And Mox and Pac was really good. So I thought it was a good show. I I probably give it a B minus if I had to give it a grade. Uh, like I said, I don't think it was bad by any means. It felt a little lesser than the first couple of shows. I mean, I I think the Cody Rhodes and Jericho segment was one of the best segments they've had on television since they yeah. started. But as a show, the show as a whole hasn't been the best. So um, I agree. So I think I'll give it a B minus. Still a good show. Yeah. So. When we grade this, I think it's fair to say that if this was Monday Night Raw and all this happened, we'd be like, wow, this is the best Raw ever. A-plus is all around. But AEW is different because you have to grade them 
on their expectations. And so what you expect when you turn on Monday Night Raw is you expect to be entertained. You expect to have, you know, a couple good matches. You expect to have some kind of banter, ridiculous something where we can all laugh at it. Uh, and you hope not to have some stupid segment like, uh, uh, well, we're not, we're not going to bury WWE anymore on this show. But <laughs> Aww. when you have an AEW show, you expect two hours of great wrestling. And you expect, you know, hopefully at least one good promo or angle, which we haven't been getting. Um, and we got that angle tonight. I wasn't bored at all. Like There was no part of the show where I was bored. Um, I guess the closest thing would probably be the Britt Baker match, just because I didn't really like Jamie Hayter. But, you know, again, I didn't like the Dark Order at first. And boy, did they win me over tonight. Because I think that was the match of the night. I loved every minute of that match. It was just so much fun. It really told a story. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I'm going to give this show a B. I do okay. think this is probably the weakest show that they've had so far, even though it had the best segment that they've had so far. Um, I just, I think the Britt Baker stuff was kind of weak. I think that they shouldn't, I understand why they ended on a draw, but ending a main event on a draw is always kind of a bummer unless it's for a really good reason, like Cody Darby Allen was. Um, the the winners of the tag team tournament matches were just kind of predictable. I mean, I'm looking at the card here, and okay, so here here's the six matches: Lucha Brothers Private Party, SCU Dark Order, Joey Janela Kenny Omega, Young Bucks Best Friends, Britt Baker in her hometown against a new person. That's five of the six matches, and before the show started, I could have told you all five winners. And AEW has been doing a really good job of preventing that. With WWE, you can almost always predict who's going to win. But with AEW, they've done a great job masking that and doing really big surprises. But you, I 100% knew who was going to win all five of those matches before they started. 100%. No doubt. Yeah. So this is the weakest show they've put on yet. And again, it was fun. I'm still really looking forward to next week. I just hope they step their game up a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think they could do that. Like I said, with more character building and trying to do more backstage segments, because um, I think that could be really fun. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it would be good to break up the wrestling a little bit and and not make make it look like they have to force so many of these matches. I feel like also we've seen. I mean, it, I don't know. It, it's hard to say because I don't want to say that we you know we. I don't want to see the same matchups every week, and they're not the same matchups. But I don't know. I feel like it's got it. It feels like a lot of the sameness. Yeah. On this episode, um, so I don't. I don't know. It's still early on, so we'll see how it is. You know, in a month or so, like I said. Um, but yeah, I mean, not a bad show by any means. But uh, I, I kind of agree that this was probably their. If it, it's probably their weakest show, I mean. I would say I think it's the lowest grade I've given to their show so far, but um, I think hopefully they step it up next week because that's the I believe it's the go home for full gear, is it? Yeah. Um, so um, no, there's there's two weeks left. There's two more. Okay. Gear. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'll be night. it'll be interesting to see how they you know do it, and I wonder if they're going to have um, you know more specialty matches on the actual show. I know they've done like the unsanctioned match with Janela and yeah. Omega, you know, this, it could be a you know cool thing to, you know, bring Darby Allen back in and have him do, I know they're doing a, a, you know, dark match with him and Havoc and who's the third guy in that match? Uh, Jack Evans. Yeah. So um, they're doing a match with them, but I mean, I'd like to see Allen get some, you know, showcase, you know, doing his thing and like maybe a, I mean, a low key hardcore match, not maybe go completely crazy but yeah something like that i think it would be a good showcase match um but just have some feature matches like that and uh i think it'd be a good way to kind of mix it up yeah i agree and the funny thing is we sound like we're complaining and we absolutely hated this show and oh it's so terrible we both loved it i mean if you listen to the whole show you know we loved it we're we're not trying to knock it we're just saying that that it's been better and we hope it improves and there's, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of room for improvement i mean yeah. that's basically what we're kind of proposing it's just a way to improve the show and kind of change it up a little bit because uh you just don't you don't want to end up be- becoming the same show i mean that's what wb 
I mean, they've had all this change, quote unquote, change to their, you know, rosters and everything and their, their channels that they're on and all this stuff, but it's the same show and it's an unsuccessful show and it's just become very stale. So, uh, you know, I think AEW, if they want to avoid becoming stale, should kind of change things up every now and then and you know right. do things a little different, which I think they will. Um, it's very new show. So they're kind of getting their feet wet at the same time. So uh, if they're still doing the same exact show two or three months from now, and you know, we don't really still really know anybody, then we'll, we're going to really start complaining. But yeah, I think they're, I mean, they show by, you know, having the, you know, inner circle segment with Cody and everybody tonight that they could put on some really cool stuff. So right, I think they'll do some more of that. All right. Cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the AEW Dynamite Review. My name is Matt Sin. I'm here with Kyle Pauly. You can find us all at WrestleLifePod on Twitter and at WrestleLifeRadio on Facebook and Instagram. Kyle, they can find you on Instagram at Kyle.Pauly. You can find my good friend Chris Cumbie on Twitter at WrestleLifeHeel. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WrestleLifeHeel. Life Matt. Please like, share, subscribe. Tell your friends where they can listen to us. They can listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Radio Public, pretty much anywhere you can listen to, to uh, pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts. And uh yeah, please get help get the word out. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in tomorrow for Chris and Raquel's NXT review. Should be fun. And then Kyle will be back uh hopefully with a special guest, but I'm not sure, so I don't want to say anything yet. Uh, this weekend for SmackDown. Am I going to have a run in for the SmackDown review? That is, uh, that's possible. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you all so much. We'll see you really soon. See you guys.